This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. I call track and field the sport of the beautiful people. Sprinters, hammer throwers, long jumpers, and pole vaulters. My guest, Jeff Cohen, calls them superheroes. And that might just be spot on. When I look through that lens, I'm on the track with the athletes. I feel it. I get excited. I want to be out there. Um, I think just because it's in my blood. And also because I know know so many people out there. I'm When I'm in the moat or I'm, or I'm on the track, vocally, like hooting or talking or going, you see that? Or, yeah, woo. Like, I know what's going on and I feel it. I know I'm looking at them at the starting line nervous or I'm looking at them pushing through on the corner or jumping or what have you. And I'm, I actually, I feel it. It fires, I'm fired up. So I'm, I'm drawn toward it. It's, I wouldn't say a drug, but it's, it feels amazing. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to all our archives. My guests have ranged from Oscar winners, cancer survivors, and former Dynalite owner, Peter Perumba. There definitely needs to be more emphasis on training for life. Not all of us are going to be lucky enough to go to college. And, you know, even less of us will be lucky enough to know what they want to do in college. So in my particular case, you know, as I mentioned, I was the only one in my family to actually get a high school diploma. So the fact that I had the opportunity to be in a vocational class was fantastic for me. Uh, And last time I checked, Plumbers make good money. Electricians make good money. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into my conversation with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, thanks for stopping by and uh, doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is great. Sitting in your beautiful house on the fifth floor. This is fantastic. There you have it. Welcome. Lounging in the, uh, on the couches. This is like the most lounged podcast I've ever done. And we're not even into it yet. I'm glad. I'm glad. This is fantastic. We've got all these photo books. We've got TV. We can get back, watch Sports Center after our little lunch. There you go. <laughs> I, I wanted to have you on because obviously we met uh, at one of the Sports Shooter workshops. I'm not sure, I'm sure what number, but number whatever. I've thought I've seen some real growth in your work from when I met you to what you're doing now. Like it is, and I hope you don't take this personal. It's matured. It's gotten better. It's gotten more focused. Like the quality of your events that you're taking have gotten so good where, you know, and we'll dive into it a lot. And so when I was seeing this, I was going, okay, I want to have you on. I want to talk. You went through some unbelievable experiences with COVID and dealing with the Olympics and the hopscotch of 20 to 20 or, you know, 2021 Olympics, which was the longest Olympics ever (laughs) one year of it. Doing my research on you, there's very little. You were like the least ability to research subject I was able to find. You're a man of mystery. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Other than I guess you're running from the CIA. Tell me. Where did you grow up and where were you raised? I was born in Los Angeles and um, I've been here my whole life. I live in Santa Monica at the moment. I've been in Santa Monica since I was about nine years old. Okay, so you're a West Bay guy. I'm a West LA, uh, (laughs) West Side. um, Yeah, born and bred. It's my home. Yeah. 
I, trying to find these out on the internet, it's, it's tough. I need to get like the DI, uh, CIA, FBI, yeah. and DWP involved. Like, you were hard to track down. <laughs> Where are you siblings? How many kids are brothers, nephews, cousins? I, I have a stepsister. Okay. And I have a few cousins. Did you grow up with mom and dad and hanging on the mom west dad, side? Mom, dad, west side. Um, my parents were divorced them, uh, when I got, uh, when I was about. 12 or 11. That's mandatory, right? In LA? I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my dad was living in West LA and then I, my mom is in Santa Monica and I went back and forth and started going to school in Santa Monica and, um, then went back to school in LA and here we are. Jump I mean, back and forth. Yeah. 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 Did you have a childhood where a camera was around? My dad always took photographs. I always had a camera, took pictures of me all the time, pictures of everything. Did he love photography or was that a career for him? It was not a career, just a love. That's even better. And um, I always wanted to take pictures. And when I was four, about four, he gave me a little uh, film camera, like a little plastic one. And uh, I remember the first day we went to the fire station where they have the old, you know, they have the open day for the fire station. You got to sit in the fire trucks and I took pictures of the fire trucks. Then I would take pictures of, we used to go hiking every weekend and I'd take my camera and then in the house, what have you. And that's how it kind of started. And it's my, my camera when I was a little kid. What was the camera? What? I think it was a Diana, I believe plastic. It was blue and black. What do you think made him go like, okay, I'm going to entrust you with this. Maybe because you saw I was drawn toward it. My parents are always very um, proactive. They're, they always encouraged my creativity, always drawing and painting and crayons and coloring books and whatever, art, art books, going to museums. I had books on Picasso and Chagall and Clay and Rembrandt. And my parents keep telling me from this day, oh yeah, you would, you would say, oh, that's, I like Mark, I like Pablo. And... I was always drawn to art, being art, and they were always very, um, there was, they liked me being artistic and- That's good. So supportive on that. So with the photography, I just, my dad always did it, so I wanted it too. So we just took, took pictures. And then, I'd, you know, he'd go down, he'd take it to a little photo mat or that little, little hut on the corner, and you'd right. turn in your little 110 camera, your other camera, and i get the film back, and there you have it. Did he kind of- when you made your photos, you guys were looking at the prints later. Did you kind of say, oh, this was good, Jeff, or try this or that? Or did he just no, let you free no, range? No. Just I, go. I don't remember anything like that. Just, it's just fun taking pictures. That's awesome. Do you have any of those photos? My mom probably does. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> good mom. Follow yeah. them all the way. Yeah. Do you, do you remember your next camera? Or did, was it something that you just stuck with for a while with the, what you had? Well, I had that as a little kid. And um, I think later on in my was it pre like early teens pre-teens I started using my dad let me use his I wanted to use his camera he had a Nikon F and I got that and I started using Nikon F later on in high school I I, I stole I stole I borrowed his Nikon FA which was it had the matrix metering right and it just went from there and um, that's how it kind of that's what I remember. What do you like shooting back then? Do you remember in high school what we were shooting? Um, my my friends skateboarding, my friends playing volleyball, um, my some of my friends doing stuff, just hanging out, the beach, just places that I went. I was always the kid with the camera. Oh, Jeff's a photographer. Oh, the camera. Jeff with the camera. I always carried it everywhere. Black and white or color? 
mostly black and white. Okay. Um, I did color as well, but then when I was in a sophomore in high school, there was a photography course and you know, Oh, you got to pick an elective. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Photography. <laughs> that'll be easy. I didn't really learn much in the photography course. And, but I just, I liked it cause I could sit in the dark room for hours and I learned how to develop black and white film. And, um, I always got, you know, great grades in the class, but it was just, it was super fun for me. It was like no work. And I was like, this is great. And, um, then I just go and take pictures. I played volleyball as well. So I take pictures of volleyball and take pictures of everything. Jeff with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a bad thing to be Jeff with the camera. And then, yeah. Then later on in college, I, uh, I started taking more color slides and now um, that's advanced step in there. So this was actually in high school. I was always at the beach. I surfed. I always surfed and played volleyball. So I was at the beach. I started working at a volleyball store in high school, end of high school. And I was always playing beach volleyball at the beach with like the world championships, like Sinjin Smith and Randy Soklos and all these people. I, I knew them and I was like the kid. And so I'd start going to AVPs, um, uh, beach volleyball, pro volleyball. And I'd take my camera, my like 7200, but my, I'd have my FA. <laughs> Right. I take all these shots and slides and I knew that I knew the players and I would just take pictures. And, um, that's how it kind of started on, on the sports wise. Did you sports. go to school with any thought of this possibly being a career or were you just, it was just a side thing for you? So it was just for fun. Okay. It was fun. I loved the lifestyle. I was a part of it and it was, I, it was fun. I love, and I love looking at the pictures afterwards. It's like, Oh yeah, that's a cool shot. Look at that. Where'd you go to school? Did you stay local? I went to school in, I went to San Monica college. Okay. I went to school at Grossmont College. I went to San Diego, San Diego State. I went to school in Spain. My first year out of high school, I went to school in Spain for a year. Wow. Um, How was that? Amazing. It was, I was 17 years old. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my friends were going to, oh, what are you going to take? I'm going to take uh, sociology. I'm going to take business. I'm going to take this. Oh, Jeff, what do you want to do? I don't know. My parents said, well, if you want to go to a different country... Well, you know, we'll pay for you. You can go and check it out. If you don't like it, you can always come back out to college and here and start your way. And I said, okay, well, what do you want? Where do you want to go? Uh, I don't know. French, Spanish, I guess Spanish. It's more useful here. So, oh, we know our friend's daughter went to school in Spain. Oh, well, you can go there. So then I went to Spain for a year and then came back and then started my freshman year in San Diego. Wow. And I finished it. I finished at CSUN. Okay. So what were, what was your thought process? Did you think? photo in any way like I could do this or were you going to school and photo was still something I, on the side? I was I never thought of it as a job per se I or could it be a job was that maybe your thought it was I started all through in Spain and through college I started taking pictures of like more cultural travel photography um color slides and always amazing stuff I would show my friends my friends would come over and we'd look at I'd put my, they always want to see my pictures. They'd, I'd pull out my slideshow. I'd do a little slideshow or I'd pull out my little light box and look at the photos with the, with the loops. Right. And then, you know, and then, you know, the girls would be like, oh my God, dad, look at this. They always want to look at my pictures. And, um, I just, it was, that was enough for me. I, later on when I came back out of college, I started doing like group shows and gallery shows. People always wanted me to do shows. Um, I've done, a, I've done a, a few of those. Um, but it was just your travel work at that time, travel, travel. And, um, well, I did some LA cultural, like Cholo, Cholo lowrider stuff too. Okay. Which I have the book right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it was fun. It was more like you go to the gallery, it's kind of a party, a little bit of, I don't know about celebrity, but it was kind of, it's fun being a part of it. It's like a big artsy group. Right. But, well, and well, I mean, I made a couple hundred bucks off of this here and there. What that's have what you, I was going to say, were, were yeah. someone throwing you a couple of bucks yeah, here and there? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I sold some photos and this and that it was kind of fun and nice, but it was kind of, it was nice to be just to be a part of that. And you know, it feels good. Sure. People say, Oh, you're, I love your stuff. It's great. And it's a great way to meet people as well. Right. Um, like, but like you say that, you know, it's kind of hard to find information about me. Right. I don't, I've, I've, I've thought about this before. People asked me about this before. I don't getting like the accolades and putting myself out there is kind of like, I get, I get more excited about seeing my photos afterward for myself rather than I don't need the attention. Okay. The press and the exposure the that exposure, comes with it afterwards. I don't need everybody coming up to me. Oh my God. Oh my God. Or Love any, your anything. Work, God. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of always been like, okay, thank you. I get more excitement out of doing it and seeing my work for myself. Right. And maybe I should put it out there more. Right. But well, I mean, some, at some point, yes, you should. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're mature enough now to be like, okay, you can handle the accolades and the people patting you on the back because you've put in the miles. Yeah. You know, the time. and I'll always help and always be gracious. I've learned how to um, be gracious about it and say I thank you. So what was your career path then early on if it wasn't going to be photography? I was doing real estate. Okay. Um, family business. Uh, property management. And so I was able to do that, which kept me going, which I, which allowed me to have fun with photos and right. travel and do that other kind of stuff. When did you start to then feel like I'm going to take photos a little more seriously instead of making it be, making it be the back burner, hang out with the children and making a book yeah, yeah. that, okay, I got to put in these 10,000 hours to actually get to the next level or yo, yo, ma kind of, I never really thought about it that way. I, well, we'll go into my track and field now. So my, my dad used to run in high school okay. and college. He was, he won the LA city cross country is one of the best runners in the state. He's always been a fan. I've been going to track and field meets since I was in diapers. My first heroes. Because dad went. Yeah. So he'd he, take me. Yeah. He was, he loved going to Drake or wherever yeah. SC, yes. you know, yeah. Mount Sac relays, San Diego. Right. We went to world, we went to Finland. We went to Seville. We went to Osaka, like world championships. Like it was father, son track meets. That's awesome. My mom would come with us, you know, when we were young, when I was younger too. But, um, so he was I, into it then if he was pulling you all over the yeah, place yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I loved it too. It was great. And yeah. you get to know everybody. And again, and many of the times we, we'd go to these events that last over 10 days, I'd take his camera and I'd be gone taking pictures all around the stadium. Wow. I'd, he'd be sitting there chatting away with all the trackies and I'd have the camera and I'd be gone for two hours, different angles in the, in the stands, going up and down and taking photographs. What did he run? He ran the uh, 8 to 15 cross country. Ooh. So... Eight and a 15. Yeah. That eight is murder. So, yeah. Good Lord. So when you're walking around the stadium yeah. shooting, yeah. are you just happy snapping? Right? Like no idea. Just like, oh, pretty stadium from elevation. Maybe get people in the foreground. Like what was your thought? I was into the athletes. I was into the sport. Okay. I, I since I grew up on it, these are my, my heroes. As I looked at, I mean, these, I love the sport and I just want to get closer. 
and be a part of it. And with the, I guess with the lens, you can get you get in there and you get right on the track, right, right in their in their faces. Who who early on was somebody that like put a spark in you, athletic wise? Who was what athlete were you like oh, drawn the, to? Shit, there was and back at UCLA. There was like Evelyn Ashford and Greg Foster, and um, I mean Carl Lewis came way later. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Dwight Stones was there back in the day. Okay. Um, there were when I'd be go we go to these um, international meets. There'd be like Eamon Coglin, who was an indoor mile champion from Ireland. There was Steve Scott, uh, U.S. miler. Um, I mean, so many. I used, I'd run around and get autographs. Wow. So it wasn't a a 100 guy or a shot put. It was all the athletes yeah. at that event. And it was all, and also what made a difference is if the athletes, we had to stick around and got autographs. And if they spoke to me and gave me an autograph and like gave me a hug or want to take a picture with me, I would like them even better. It was about a personal connection. Sure. And I, and it's funny because I often tell the athletes when I'm on the track, I'm like, autographs, super important. Good for you fans. You know, I was that little boy. Yeah. I always give autographs. I always oh, give autographs. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Huge I still remember. Difference. I can still feel it. Oh yeah. No, there's there's like I don't know. I've met just about everybody who wants to be important. Yeah. But you know what? It was the autographs as a kid is the ones that are that are totally the special. Yeah, they're just showing it, give part of your time or saying hey, high five or smiling or it was amazing. I remember. I think it was 1976, and we went up to Berkeley. They used to have these. USA, USSR, dual meets. And that was, obviously they, didn't, they don't have them anymore. They didn't stop right after that. Right. So it was, it was USSR, Russia against USA. And I'd be, I'd always go to these different big meets. And I remember Steve Scott, I don't know if you know who Steve Scott yep. is. He was like yep. our number one miler. Yeah, Irvine, UCI Ir- guy. Yep, yep, exactly. And I'd see him at a bunch of meets. And there was a time, I see, and we, I remember seeing him after I always take a picture. I went with my dad, took a picture of me. I was six years old or seven years old. And I saw him after that meet and he, he had the, he won the cup. He won the race. And I remember he put the cup on my head and I took a picture and he said, you're like, Hey, it's my mascot. He would call me his mascot. Cause he would see me all the time after the meets. Wow. And, um, yeah. They said, and for me, a little kid, it was, it was really cool. Oh. I'd be like, Steve, Steve. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's super important for the athletes to really acknowledge little kids. I think. So track then was a love and you blended that camera with it. So going back to me running around with the cameras all the time, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit there. I wanted to, in the stands for five hours. Right. I went all around. I went to the finish line. I went to the up and down. I, I dodged the, the ushers. I went all over the place. Sure. And, um, eventually how I got to where I am today is that around 2010 or 2009 going to Olympics and world championships I'd look on the field I'd see all the photographers at the finish line and I'd, I'd look on the track and I'd see the, the athletes warming up or doing their rituals or something happening over here and I said that's the shot that's what I want to see I, I care about that I don't care about them coming across the finish line with their hands in the air right I said I, they're not even they're in the wrong spot and so I said, I could do that. So I started doing it. And I, I created a website. Now, okay. when you say you saw them not in the right spot, yeah. because so was for it for what I wanted. From what you wanted. Yes. Like, you wanted to see yeah. this. They were in the right spot for them. For them. Yes. See, that's the weird thing. If you're shooting for a wire 
a team, no, USA, yeah. or you're yeah. shooting for South Korea, you've got to get a certain thing. But if yeah. it's your point of view, yes. and that's the great thing about photography, I want to see this. Yeah, correct. And that's what's awesome. Track allows that because it's yeah. so vast in its space. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to see something different, and right. nobody was doing what I want. My what I was looking at, and I wanted to see. I didn't see people doing that. I couldn't find it on the magazines or what have you. So I said, I can do that. I never thought that I was going to be on the field. I that was never a. It was never a dream. It, was, it wasn't even there. I was like, I didn't even think about it. Those are professional photographers, right? I'm just Jeff. I'm going to make yeah, some pictures. Yeah, I, I just love this sport. I make good pictures. And then I just, I started, the internet came out and um, I made a website and started submitting some pictures and applied for credentials and here we are. Yeah, here we are is right. When you're reaching out and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to make some pictures and someone's going to come for it. Who's, because as you know, track is important to America and the world. Well, no, to America, because the world is much more important around the world because we used to watch maybe Mount Sac used to be big pen relays in the United States, but sometimes it would have to be every four years. So who's looking for photos that you're making when that, when that market is so small? Yeah. Is it the athletes looking for the photos or is it corporate sponsors or, or who's looking for your it, work early on in your career to jumpstart you? Early on. Well, it was, there were, Sponsors. There were shoe companies. There was there were athletes. Um, there were the federations, um, and they're just certain, finding certain your products, right? And they're just finding your stuff online, or yes. you are you soliciting to them, like, hey, online. ASIC, like, listen, I got these, you know, photos. Are you interested? Online. So they, they, they just they, they come. They call me. Really? They write me. Now, was that because of the the metadata you put in? Or do they, they get to, like, how do they find you early on in that career? I don't know. Um, I think it was a lot of um, the athlete, getting to know the athletes. Okay. Um, I always spending time before and after and in training camps with athletes. They got to know my name. Oh, oh so-and-so. Oh, so-and-so told me um, that you have photos. You might have photos of them. I, I've got, I got emails and calls all the time from, oh, so-and-so recommended you right um relationship building with athletes is huge yes yes that's amazing and it's one of the best parts of the whole deal is being close to it as being that little boy who's a track fan right sitting down with allison felix at a training camp or just when she's training and breathing hard and talking about whatever it just and not having my camera not doing anything it's just unbelievable it's the best you can't you can't buy it right so and that also doing having times like that also gives me a special insight and special moments which I gravitate towards during competition. So those early years, you know, the internet was a huge plus for you. Yeah, driving traffic, making things happen. Without it, I don't know how. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be like. It wouldn't. I would. I, maybe I would, but I. That's what did it. <laughs> were you upgrading gear, or were you still shooting very minimal? I was. Uh, I think probably a D three. Okay. At the time. But just keeping it simple, stupid. Or my dad. So my dad would get another one and I'd get the next, I'd, I'd get his, his hand-me-down. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd borrow it. Thank God for dad's hobby. Yeah. And, yeah. Now then I would borrow the good one and give him my handy-down. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, he was finished. So he loved to seeing me, you know, uh, absolutely go for it. Right. 
So those early years, when did you start to, or how did you develop your growth? Because you got you can't keep shooting very simple photos. Yeah. You want to start making better photos. Well, I think starting out and getting into getting the credentials and going on these competitions, you know, I was a little more timid and I watched um, other people and I kind of sat back. Okay. And then I would get eventually get more comfortable, and kind of uh, I kind of held back a little bit, and and, and also just learned through experience. Um, I would get closer and, um, see what I could do, how far I could push the button and what I could capture. And I do take a lot of risks. I always tell uh, like young photographers that I gamble all the time. A lot of times I, maybe I shouldn't, but 90% of the time it works out. Now, when you're saying gamble, are you saying shoot tighter, shoot looser, shoot panty? What's, what's your gamble? All of the above. Like say there's, if photographers go left, you go right. If there is a group of 30 photographers in one spot, I will not be, want to be there. I will go looking into the sun. I will challenge myself. I will pan. I will do something where they are not just because I don't want to be like them. That's right. another thing that I do. Right. And it might not, it's a, it's a gamble. It's not safe. Right. Absolutely. But it's like I said, 90% of the time, some, I get something really cool out of it. Right. And, and if anything, your imagery is going to look different. Yeah. So then someone's going to come knocking because the other 35 images are all the same. Yeah. So again, I go back to where I'm, I'm from the stands and I see everybody right there and I say, I want to see something different. Right. I guess I always want to be different a little bit. I don't want to be the norm. And That's just, okay. That's what works. That's what makes us all different yeah. is being able to see something a little differently. Yeah. So when you're reaching out, trying to get those credentials, who are you just blind calling? Hey, Bill from, you know, USA. Yes. So the credentials, I just going on the website and I'm looking for any type of media contact or anything. And I get right. Hey, I'd love to uh, get credentials for this meet. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I still don't know anybody. <laughs> sometimes I know a friend. I mean, there are a lot, I know a lot more people now yeah, and sure. connections, what have you. But Absolutely. sometimes if I want to go shoot a sport or somewhere, I look up the, um, the SID, the direct the guy in charge of the media mm -hmm. or some school or what have you. And I say, Hey, can I do this? And I put a little link to my photos or my, or my website and that's it. And usually it, I get it. That's it. Yeah. I just have to try. And, yeah. I'll, and sometimes I get, sometimes it doesn't happen, but, um, it's rare, but but you gotta whatever. be proactive. Yeah, you gotta, whatever. If you if you never if you never made that email or call, yeah, it's no. Yeah. But at least you put your face out there and you took a chance. If you get seventy five percent say yes, you're in. Another thing I learned when I was at CSUN and I had to I had my last semester to graduate and I needed one class to graduate. And it, they didn't offer it that semester. And I was like, oh man, I gotta go to school another whole year. It's in the rule book. If I don't have this class, I'm not going to graduate. Uh, and I go, okay, well, I might as well just go talk to the dean of my, uh, of my uh, school. Okay, what as well, whatever. So I walk in there. Already decided. It's already in the rule book. I'm not, I, I, why bother ask? I can't do it. I'm going to have to go to school for another year. I go in there. He says, oh, what would you like to do? Well, this is my predicament. This, he goes, well, what would you like to take? Well, I like, maybe I could do this. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll okay that for your, you can get your, you can graduate. You take it there. Any course you want. Good. Thank you. Have a good, thank you so much. Congratulations. Go on, go ahead. All I did was ask. And the dean said, oh, no problem. Like I made up the story in my head that it wasn't possible because of something I read. And all I did was ask and it totally changed and I was able to get my class. So 
it's kind of the same thing. If you don't ask, you'll never know. That's unbelievable. So. That's it. That's sometimes you just, that's what you got to do. Step no. forward. So many people, they, there's a, there's a rule. They have, there's something they want to do. And there's a book that says, oh no, you can't do this. And they'd already decided it and they walk away. Right. Just, 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 you already lost anyway. Go ask. Go ask. Take and the chance. Nine out of 10 times, you're going to, you're going to be like, whoa. Yeah. Take <laughs> the chance. Yeah. So when you're out there those first couple of years, it's getting better. You're getting more work. Yes. That more, feeling good? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it feels good. Um, yeah. You still got your day job. Yeah. So you're juggling track meets as much as you can everywhere. Yeah. When you're going out there, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to make pretty pictures that, that can sell? Are you trying to make like high impact photos? Are you trying to shoot product? Like what, what becomes Jeff's commercial mindset? For me, and I think what I'm known for, what people come to me for, I just shoot what I want to shoot artistically and what my eye sees. Of course, if there's a big story or there's some, I, I have to capture that. Mm -hmm. um, there are some times where I have to be a little bit safe. I choose to be safe and get the shot. Sometimes I have clients where I have to get the shot of something. Like I said, if there's a big story, you have to get it. Right. But most of the time I want to try something different. And most people come to me and say, yeah, you're different. You get more of the feeling. If the athletes tell me, other people tell me this, yeah, you, your, your photos feel different. Um, I, I, I tend to think that like I'm capturing the more of like the essence of the sport rather than just a sports photo. Right. And athletes have told me like, yeah, you can feel it. You get different shots and, you know, like warming up or stretching or just our emotions or just do other things rather than competing. And they like that. Right. It's not just a straight on headshot of someone running in the 100. Some action shot. Right. I saw, I noticed, especially a lot of stuff from Tokyo, there's a lot of detail stuff. Uh, you know, sweat on abs and, and nails and stuff and I, I love that stuff because track lends that stuff there's so much of that beautiful stuff in track my eye is drawn toward uh colors and details yeah that goes back from that early exposure from mom and dad just rolling out you know books for you to just absorb just my eye yeah like yeah. i just <laughs> just go for i compose when i look at everything <laughs> now when did you then take that next i guess step where you go, okay, I got to invest. I can't keep borrowing from dad. Mm -hmm. I got to go in. I got to get pro gear. I got to stop borrowing his whatever next. When I shot my first Olympic trials in okay. 2012. That's where the, the step forward was, okay, I'm all in. I said, hey, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is crack. This is great. You got hooked. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in. Isn't and that crazy? That's what it takes. I said, I want, I go, I want everything that I want the best of all. I, I'm not messing around. I want the best tools that I can get. Right. At some point I want to play. Yeah. This is it. So what'd you do? Just run to Sammy's or wherever you uh, could and just be like, I okay, I got to get B and H. I had, I had photographer friends and this, and I just, okay. what do I, I just looked around at all of what my peers were using and this and that. And I knew nothing about you know, the, the media room and everyone's on their laptops getting the photos out and this and that and all that, the gear and the big lenses and this, and I, 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 
Nothing. I knew nothing. Because you were pretty bare. You take. You're still taking your stuff home, yeah. tinkering on it. Yeah, home, and then to my, you know, back home to my computer. Right. And I'd, I'd edit it and load it up. Yeah, they're on deadline, so they're just banging out images yeah. all day long. Yeah. And you're like happy-go-lucky Jeff going yeah. like, okay, I'm just going home. Bye, fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of weird. Not, you know, I don't like to. Yeah, it's. I kind of like mellow out on that. Yeah. No, I I actually do better sometimes not on deadline where I can just get me through and focus the whole event. Mm. It's it, you get taken away going and okay, for the next couple hours, I got to get these photos out and I got to go back and I was shooting this event. And I got to get the photos out. Yeah. You kind of get out of the rhythm. Fortunately, I have the opportunity where I don't have to take a lot of, cl- take a lot of clients before um, competitions and assignments. And I've done that before and I don't care for it. Right. It's but, tough. But, 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 a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do that. They have to get paid up front and have to have the job. I get a lot of my calls after the meets. Like I'm getting calls, I'm getting emails this week and last week for shots in the Olympics, like from big companies right? and from athletes. Like just, and I don't, I'm not marketing whatever. They come to me. I'm like so fortunate. I realize that. I've taken, you know, assignments where I have to go shoot 30 athletes and, get it out to them within, you know, you're back in the room and you're editing this and that, and you have to get it out within an hour or what have you. And I'm totally stressed. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and, it, but, it, but primarily I'm not getting the shots that I want to get for my eye because I have to get uh, runner Smith in lane six. Right. And I have the world record holder in lane seven. I have another one in lane one, but I have to get lane six and there's a trash can right behind their head. And then their arm is, and it's like, it's a terror. I don't want that shot, but, I, but it's a job. Right. So after that, Gotta I was like, get it. yeah, no, you, you do it. And it's, it, I understand it, but, and I do take some, some assignments if they're small and I, it still allows me to have the freedom and take what I want to see and do what I want to do. Right. But it, Cause I, it's still, it's fun for me. I love it. So you make that jump, you go all in, you throw down the credit card, you start buying yeah. up gear. Where do you start thinking, okay, next level, I've got to start making better images or more images because now we're putting some serious coin behind this. Mm-hmm. Is that 12 after that Olympic trials? Yeah. You're just like, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I never really thought of it that way. I just thought about, I just was like, I have, I'm going to take better stuff. I got more comfortable. I got to know people, people, some more people started contacting me for photo, for images. Um, it was still, it's still, it's a love and I'm keep like, I want to keep it that way. Um, as as long as I can. Um, I was never really that stressed about, I didn't, if I, if I started thinking about something where I had to do something, I was like, okay, I just kind of took a breath and just, okay, you know what? This is fun. I'm going to just do my thing. It's working out. I'm going to have a good time, get the great, good images, do what I can. So I never really hit that level of being panicked or anything. That's for, good. So it's, it's a love. Like I'm, I'm, I, I get excited. I walk into a stadium. I just want to sit there and it's so exciting. It's the best seat in the house. When did you shoot your first Olympics? My first Olympics being credentials was Tokyo. Right. But pr- prior to that. 1984. Okay. So one of my first my first memorable track photo, I mean, I took photos when I was a little kid, but was Carl Lewis crossing the finish line in his first gold medal in, in uh, L.A. We had seats on the, on the other side of the stadium. I, 
I told my dad, I say, I'm going to go take pictures, try to get some pictures of the hundred. So I took his FA and, and, uh, it was a 35 to 105 and you know, 36 exposure. Sure. A slide film. I was 13 years old and I made friends. There was an usher. I remember this guy, he had a mullet and a mustache and he was on the top of, he was in the, he was the usher for the row at the finish line. Okay. And I made friends with him and, and, and we started talking. He's all, Hey, he's all, come on, I'll bring you, I'll take you down to the rail. And for the finals of the hundred meter final in the Olympics, Carlos, he brought me down to the rail. I was right on the rail and I have a picture of Carl Lewis raising his hands at the finish line, Ben Johnson looking at him, 84 Olympics. And um, I have it somewhere on the internet. I, ha I have that photo, but that's one of my most memorable first like track photos. Wow. So. Did, I mean, were you thinking, you obviously had to know how to expose your slide film. That was, you know, and, and were you thinking, or did you even have an understanding of how big the event was that you were photographing at that moment? I knew that it was the pinnacle of the Olympics. Yeah. This was a true track, but I was excited. I wanted to get the shot. <laughs> I was hunting. I was, this, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go get the shot. It was exciting. When you came back to dad, did you tell him, I think I got it? Uh, probably. I said, yeah, I, I got down, <laughs> I got down the rail. I think I got the shot. I got the getting finish. To, getting to the rail was half the, you know, adventure. And then, and then, well, the next event was on, you know, three minutes later. So it was constant. Right. The track yeah. meets are like, boom, boom, oh, boom. Oh yeah. Especially at that level. It's just moving them out, moving them out, moving yeah. them out. Do you do 88? Do you go to Seoul or what, or when's your next? I didn't go to Seoul. Um, I think, what are you? I didn't, when I was going to college, I, um, I was going to college and surfing a lot and this and that. And I didn't do track for a, a number of years, but then I, um, what I did, I went to, I did Athens, okay. Sydney, um, Beijing. Um, so when you like, let's say Beijing, for instance, yeah. when you go to that, how much camera gear are you taking in as a fan? Cause you're not credentialed. No, no, no. Um, 7,200, 2470. I think I brought a fisheye. And the teleconverter. Okay. And then you always have, it depends where you are, but sometimes I don't like big lenses in. Right. So then sometimes I would, I would have my, uh, I think Beijing, I probably had a D3 or something. And, uh, I'd, I'd have my 20, I'd have my 24 to 70 and have, I'd have my dad carry my 7,200 in his little bag. So we were totally separate. So they couldn't put it together. Uh -huh. So that's how I kind of got him in, you know, sometimes. <laughs> Now, when you're, when you're shooting that, are you trying to, again, slither your way into that front rail yeah. and make that photo? Yes. So I had, um, sometimes I would have a, uh, a neck band with a, like a plastic card holder mm -hmm. and I put my ticket in there and I turn it backwards. So it looked like the other credentials of all the photographers. Right. And then, you know, when you're going, when there's the, you're walking down the stairwells down to the get down to the front rail and there's a lot of people going by and there's photographers walking by. I'd hold my camera up on my shoulder. So you'd see like a 7,200 look like a professional photographer. Right. And I'd have my thing. It looked like a credential, but it was so fast. The usher couldn't tell. So I just like walked and act like I know what I was doing with the rest yeah, of them. And act with, like I knew what I was doing. And then that worked 90% of the time. Down. You're there. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. But you tried. What's the worst going to happen in a communist country? Oh, well, they just say, hey, no, they, they put their hand out and you can't be here. Okay, sorry. And I go the next row. And then that person wasn't looking. Right. I mean, they're all volunteers anyway. So. Right. They are. That's it. What? Okay. Prior, let's say we'll take Sydney, Athens, 
Beijing. What was the best photo you took in those three Olympics? They were like, okay, this is still feeding my, uh, my desire. Uh, Beijing, Usain Bolt, world record. Okay. Um, 200 after he won. Hands up in the air, staring out. I was in the right spot at the right time. Right. How much did he take off of that world record because he celebrated too early? <sighs> Big dummy. <laughs> many do. Yeah, many do. They don't realize it. They stand up. But speaking to some of them after the fact, um, they don't realize they're doing it. Yeah. They get excited and they celebrate before because they know they're winning their gold medal or whatever. So it happens. Okay. So we jumped back to 12, 12, you're, you're, you're in. When do you decide, okay, uh, I've got to get paid to get to this Olympics. I'm going to make money. I got to get there. Is it trying to at Reno for Brazil? Rio? Yeah. I didn't go to Rio. Okay, but was there? A, oh, but did you think about it? Or yes, Rio. Well, there was. I think Rio. They had was it a some kind of flu or something was going on there as well or something or, or, or the, 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 it was the economy or something was weird, right? right? So I was on the fence to, for Rio up until months before. Okay, and I didn't know about logistics. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be this. You're going to have to drive three hours to get here and this and that. And I was really stressed about it for some reason. I didn't, you know. I, okay, I have to go buy this. $3,000 flight in the hotel and then I don't know I'm gonna have to wake up and I'm gonna have four hours in a bus every day and you don't know where you're gonna be and this and that and I decided within a couple of months before that I'm not going to Rio I'm gonna go do the professional the European circuit after Rio okay I'm gonna go do Paris Lausanne Zurich um, Stockholm or something okay and, I'm gonna, and once I once I decided that I, I was I felt the big weight lifted off me and I went to Europe instead but um, about making money, again, I had a couple of clients, but for the most part, people contact me afterwards. So you would, you would go and work Europe yes, with no money at that point, you know, other than I hope I make it on the back end. Yeah. Good God, man, that's brave. Because you could have come back with goose eggs. Yeah, true. You know, if the, if the athlete doesn't perform, they don't show up, true. weather's bad. Yeah. Name all the yeah. I mean, I had you know not mu not much. A couple you know, you're going out there. Okay, I want this, this, and that. Like nothing, nothing's going to pay for the plane flight right. right afterwards. But it's always paid off for me. I've, I can I can more or less break even or make some more money. Um, again, it's a labor of love for me. Were, but you're you were fortunate because you yeah. had yeah another job. You weren't correct. you weren't only living correct. off of this. That's correct. And also back then, like now, there's a lot more photographers out there. Oh yeah. Um having to do a lot with the technology and the, the ability to get a great camera for a less pro less price and what have you. Um, five, seven years ago, everybody was calling me. <laughs> right. So you're getting less of those phone calls cause there's so many more people. I would. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. Cause I see a lot of other people's work out there and a lot of other companies working with them. Right. And Hey, that's great. Sure. That works. Yeah. Did you ever become, like an absolute over the top gearhead where you're like, Oh, I'm with Nikon, but I want to switch to Canon cause they've got this or I need this lens or I want to do that. Like, or did you stay pretty simple in your lane? I've, well, I started out with Nikon. Um, I had a Canon for a couple of years. I don't remember 15 years ago. And then with <laughs> it's the, like an old girlfriend. I had a, I think when the D three came out or something, I, I went back to Nikon 
And, um, of course there's always something better or what have you. And I just, I've stuck with Nikon. I have so much Nikon glass and bodies. I just stuck with it. And meeting people in Nikon company, they've always helped me out. I could borrow lenses when I want. When I go to big events, I like, I know people. They right. help me out. Um, no, it was cool. I went, so I went to Tokyo and the Olympics and they had, you know, the, every Olympics they have, Nikon and Canon, Sony, they, they, the big you, tents, you, the, the full, big yeah. tents and you can go use whatever you want. They'll repair and they'll clean your gear. This time the, the head of uh, Nikon was there and he, he asked me to come talk to him and his engineers about what I think and this and that. And I sat down for an hour with like eight of these Japanese. Oh, this is the guy who built the, this is the guy who built the sensor. This is the guy who did the motor drive. This is the guy who does the body. This is the guy. I was kind of blown away that well, you, you want to talk to me? But it was really, it was, it was pretty cool. What, yeah. what, what feedback did you give them? Um, they looked at my work and, and I just told them what I liked, what I didn't like, things I didn't know, what, what would I want better? I mean, spoke for like an hour, but it's just getting to know like my relationship with Nikon and, and the people there. And it's just, it's so easy for me to stay with them and it was friendly. I don't know. Because we had that experience in, I think it was 15, Mark Subin brought a yep. Nikon engineer out and we were talking to him and the things that we wanted, they couldn't understand. Hmm. Like simply like, uh, the old F five hmm. had a button you had to push and then you click the on off button. It yeah. would lock it. Yeah. So it wouldn't just now that doesn't happen. You can easily turn the on off button so you can walk around at a track meet for certain. Yeah. And you can be firing off pictures of your back of your feet all, all for the time. All the time. Yeah. And I'm like, just put a little, little button in to save me from editing out 200 images of my ass. Correct. And he didn't understand. Oh, no big deal. I'm like, well, it kind of is. It's a, it, it delays the process. Yeah. It eats up. Um, Little things like I know Robert Husky always this juice drive him nuts when we would FTP and you put the code in, it never showed you what you were putting in. It gave you the circular dots like you were putting in some secret code. Mm. Well, you want to make sure you're spelling in the FTP yeah. correctly. Yeah. Something like that they wouldn't fix. Um, but you know, for them to sit you down yeah. and and want to hear what you have to say, that's big. That's what you want companies to do is to take in some of your input. No, that was a really cool moment for me. I didn't expect that. Right. I thought, I thought it was just going to be me and the guy talking for half an hour, but they brought in, there were seven of these Japanese engineers sitting there, standing there, you know, nodding their heads <laughs> and very nice and looking at my pictures. Oh yes. Look at that. Oh, how did you do this? Oh, I, and it was pretty cool. I have a photograph that I, that I took at the European championships one year and I was using, I borrowed one of their zoom I don't know, what is it, at four to six or 180 to four or something like that. And right. it has a built-in teleconverter. And I was taking a, um, a shot from above of 100 meters or something. And I was looking at the lens and it was kind of just, okay, this is kind of a typical shot. And I noticed that when you switch the teleconverter over, in between, when, if you just hold the teleconverter in the middle of the lens, you get uh, half an image, half magnification and half the non-magnification is kind of like a dual image thing. And I shot that and I, and it came out pretty cool and I showed that to them and they go, Oh, they'd never seen that before. Right. Cause to them that would be a mistake. Yes. Yeah. And right. they liked it. So it was kind of fun. That's great. <laughs> when, okay. So when are you thinking, are you thinking Tokyo in 1819? I gotta be ready for 2020. Like, you know, financially time 
you know, uh, set up clients? Like, when do you start planning your Olympics, you know? Uh, when I got the credential, when I actually got the, uh, <laughs> the okay. Okay. When and I, who are you reaching out to? Cause you got to say like, you, you know, you, the Olympics are tough. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I have a relationship with the relationship with the uh, USA track and field and that, of course you need that. So first you apply through them, through your federal, your sports federation, and then they submit it off to the U.S. Olympic Committee. You know the deal, but I'm, we'll talk about right. it. We'll talk about it. Then um, the U.S. Olympic Committee assigns you a person to, to, to litigate for you to see if you can get credentials out of the, out of the few. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, this is all new. And um, so I talked to the person, anything you'd like to say, what do you do, this and that. Okay, thanks. Talk to you later. <laughs> that what what <laughs> and that was it so i think so what i understand is they go talk on your behalf to try to get you the credentials like you're legit or what have you and um i got it so i i don't know i don't i know a lot of and there's you know a lot of people didn't get it but i was just super fortunate to get it so so now those wheels turn you're like okay i gotta line up stuff where do you decide, decide what am I going to make? Because you going to the Olympics, are you going to own, and, and this is pre-COVID. Mm. Are you thinking, I want to try to make pictures for Nikon, or not Nikon, but Nike, or, or my athletes, or USA? What, where are you thinking? I really didn't know what to expect. Um. I had never been credentialed before. I, it was a totally new animal, especially with COVID. I didn't know what I was going to be able to do. But pre-COVID, right? So Yeah, yeah, it was pre-COVID. So pre-COVID. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. It's like a time period. We have to think, oh, pre-COVID, this is what it was like. Yeah. So, I, yeah, okay, before, I didn't, we didn't know COVID was coming along. Right, right, because this is fall, probably 19. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, I got to get, I got to make sure I have the, the, a good, 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 fast laptop. I, I had to go buy a new laptop. Um Hard drive I, I, cards, I, I, like that I, kind of I, stuff. I got to have a new phone because my new phone, I want to make sure I'm at the Olympics. I want to have the best phone to pick the best pictures. I got to make sure I, have new, I need the best kind of equipment I need to go. So then I invest all this money to go buy all the stuff. And then all of a sudden it's postponed. Right. What are you thinking when that hits the fan? Because hmm. your heart goes out to the world. Yeah. But then you think out like, oh, my yeah. chance. It was like, ugh. And I, and I was just like, I hope they, I hope I get a chance. I hope they don't cancel it. I was thinking like, oh, I got to go through the whole process now with the next Olympics in Paris, or I didn't know if they, or the next one in 2024. I hope that I get it. Right. Like, I don't know if like, I'm going to get the credentials. I'm like, oh, well, that was my chance. So I got, I got credentials, but I never got to go. Or will my credentials even carry over if they, yeah. you know, that too. have it. That too. So. Because when you're planning for the Olympics, you're planning the Olympics with the world and all the world's media. Yes. Now when they're rumoring about twenty one, yeah. Now they're saying no one's going to. Yeah, be that might have been it. I was like, I might, it might not even happen. I was, I was thinking, I, I just maybe I just I got a credential in my pocket. and That's all I have to show for it. <laughs> and I, a new it's, phone. it's like it's like a boycott. It's like my country <laughs> got boycotted that year. I trained for four years. I never got to go. <laughs> right. Um. So. Yeah, that was your nineteen eighty moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if fortunately it came through. But then with the COVID, it was that's another question about how everything was going to work and the difficulties and this so and did that make you more hypersensitive to be aware of how COVID was being dealt with in Asia 
No. Okay. Are, then where are you starting to think, okay, are you keeping an you know ear on the stone of the Olympics to keep certain that it's going to happen? Absolutely. Every parse, every uh, piece of news I could hear about it, I was like waiting to know, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? It's going to happen. What's going to happen? What kind of protocols, this and that? Absolutely. I had already accepted that it might not happen. I might not go. It might not happen. I'm going to have to just go try to apply for the next Olympics. Oof, man. So. <laughs> That's rough. I just kind of like, you just go with the flow. Right. Uh, and I, I was happy that I got, I was telling myself, I am, I got, I'm Olympic credentials. Okay. Good for me. And let's keep that going and try for the next one. When you get that notification, Olympics are happening and your credentials going to carry over. What are you thinking? Well, here we go. But what's it going to be like? Well, they said I got the, we got the notification out that you know it, it's going to happen, but I wasn't sure what's going to happen yet. There was there were all these rumors up to a couple months before that they were going to cancel it, right? Weeks, yeah, right, because yeah. they had another outbreak and yeah. So I had to go buy my tickets and then pay for the accommodations and all this stuff, and you didn't know if within a couple of weeks they were going to say, oh, it's off, and then okay, well then how am I going to get all my money back or refunds or I'm going to, okay, my plane tickets, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep it with Nippon Airlines and then maybe use it in five years, I don't know. But again, it's it's unnecessary for my brain to spin that way because I don't even know if that's what's going to happen. So I kind of just like, I'm not going to think about that. It's just like, it's there, it's reality, but I'm not going to dwell on it. So you put your butt, you step onto that soil in Japan. Is that a relief? Like, okay, it's got to happen now. I'm here. Oh, it was, it was exhilarating. <laughs> so much fun. It was, it was exciting. Okay, so how do you, let, let's, how do you pack? What do you think I'm taking? I, gear-wise? Yeah. And yourself, because you got to be aware of, you know, day-to-day, -day, weather, you know, you're there for, what were you there? Three weeks of three, month? Three weeks. Okay. Um, well, I mostly always uh, work in shorts. Okay. And t-shirts and, or, and, or, um, like active wear t-shirts where right, you're right. sweating and, uh, good, good shoes. Always. You always have to good, have good running shoes. Yeah. Cause you're on your feet. And then if you need to knee pads, cause I always go up and down my knee. Um, so I looked at the weather and the weather was humid, all super humid all the time and pretty <laughs> hot. And then there was rain. So I had to have my rain gear, which is a whole nother huge pile of clothes. You got to put in with your rain boots and waterproof shoes in your, in your, uh, suitcase then, but mostly everything was pretty much shorts and t-shirts and there was a couple, uh, um, a couple long sleeves hats and that's about it. Okay. You know, and you, and again, you can only take a certain size suitcase and there's weight and there's too much other stuff I got to put in there. All my other, like camera gear that I, that I don't carry with me. Um, so it's limited. You're doing a lot of washing your clothes in the, in the hotel, uh, bathtub and hanging up at night right. and recycling. So yeah, and then there's snacks because you don't know what kind of food you're gonna get, like power bars and oatmeal, and 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 then there's your like vitamin C and stuff like that. You don't know what you're stepping into when you go to a foreign country. How many you, masks did you take? Ma oh, mask! I took a bag of thirty masks. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh, masks. Yeah, that was fun. You're like, it was so humid and hot. Just people were laughing because there's like sweat dripping in your mask all day long. Right. And yeah. Everyone's dripping in sweat every day. Did you shave? I know that sounds silly to say, but it's hot. It's humid. You got a mask on. Every couple of days, yeah. Yeah, if you don't start to shave, all of a sudden your mask is sticking and it's a mess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, brutal. Yeah, it was, uh, but 
for me, when I get in situations like that, I'm like, all right, life, bring it on. What else you got? Right. It's a challenge. I, Come I, on. I embrace it. Yeah. I like, let's go. <laughs> what gear did you take now? Actual camera gear. So I took, um, three bodies. I took, a took two D fives and D six. I took a, my largest lens was a 300 2.8. I took, uh, then I stepped down to a 7,200. Then I, t- I took a 16 2.8 fisheye. I took my 50, um, 24 to 70, 2.8. I think I took a 50, 1.4. Okay. I took a teleconverter, 1.4 or 1.7. Now, did you only take a three because you knew you were going to be able to loan stuff out? A four, five, or six? Yes, but I traditionally, I do not shoot long lenses. I don't like to sit up in the stands and shoot from far away. I like to be close to the action. Okay. The, um, this Olympics, I did borrow, I think I borrowed a four for a couple of days from Nikon. Um, this Olympics was kind of hard to get close from the moat and the distance from the track. Like you kind of really needed something like a 200 or more. Right. I used my teleconverter and my 300 more than I wanted to. Um, but that's just my style of my shooting. I like to be close. I like wide angles better for myself. Okay. I like right. to be close to the action. Um, and that's just your style. That's, that's the just way me. you like to work. Yes. So let's say it was normal Olympics. Someone presented you with the magical vest. What would have been your lenses of choice then? Field or outfield? No. <laughs> In the field. Like you got it all. You go wherever you want. Oh. What would you normally like to shoot with? Uh, 24 to 70, 7,200. Okay. If I had to have one lens, 7,200. Okay. Um, I have a, I carry a, uh, a belt with me. I have, I usually have my fish eye in there. Oh, I have, I brought my 12 to 24. I forgot okay. about that. That's a fun lens too. It's, uh, it's a, it's a great lens. You got to really be close to, to use that per se. And it's, uh, the lens is, uh, not protected. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. That big old beast sticking out there. Um, and I carry that and I carry, uh, you know, um, like lens wipes to wipe off the uh, water droplets or what have you and a snack and my cell phone and, and cards. Lots of cards, right? Yeah. Jesus. A couple cards. Yeah. So what's your game plan? First, first time you're there at the Olympics, what's your first couple of days? What are you looking for on the track? Of course, if there's for first couple of days, it's mostly heat. I mean, there, I think there's a final at the end of the night. When there's a final, I kind of know what to do. I know where to be and what I have to get or what have you. But but I have to. I I always like like the day before I went to the stadium when it was open, and I scouted everything out. I walked all around. I walked up high. I walked down below. I walked in the tunnel. I went on the field just to kind of see my, what my access was. Okay. Because when it ha- when it's all happening, you don't have time to think. You got to go. Yeah, you got to go to that spot. Like, how do I get from the the 300 meter mark to the 100 meter mark the fastest way? You know. So. The first, I check out my angles and check out my access. Um, so when it comes down to the day of the of the meet, you know things can change. They <laughs> of they, they they put up blocks and you can't go here from now on. You can't go there, so you always go early. But um, I don't always wing it. But I've been there so much, so I've been doing it for so long. I can kind of wing it and just go where I need to be and what um, interests me. But again, if there's something important where I have to get, like, oh, I want to get her in the blocks or I want to get him on the finish line. Or I want to get this corner. I, I mean, I'm going to go there. 
When you, what draws you to track? Is it the beauty, the competition? What, what is it? It's comfortable. It's exciting. It's adrenaline. When I look, when I look through that lens, I'm on the track with the athletes. I feel it. I get excited. I want to be out there. Um, I think just because it's in my blood and also because I know, know so many people out there. Um, but I'm not, I'm, when I'm in the moat or I'm, or I'm on the track, I'm vocally like hooting or talking or going, you see that? Or yeah. Woo. Like I know what's going on and I feel it. I'm, I know I'm looking at them at the starting line nervous, or I'm looking at them pushing through on the corner or jumping or what have you. And I'm, I actually, I feel it. It's, I, it fires, I'm fired up. So I'm, I'm drawn toward it. It's, I wouldn't say a drug, but it's, it feels amazing. Exciting. I I think for me, it's the closest you can get to like, I, I call them the most beautiful people, right? Like where you can have a long jumper, a high jumper, a pole vault, and a 100-meter person, men or women, and they look totally different. But it's the closest event to, like, fashion, too, where love the sprinters. They're divaed out. Their hair, their makeup, their nails, the shoes, the bling. Yeah. Like, it's so beautiful. But then you can get over to the big people hammer throwers, mm. shot putters, you know, they got chalk all up into their neck. They're sweating and they're big men with hairy beasts and they're throwing stones all over the place. But yet their movement is like a ballerina, right? They're spinning and twirling and throwing and it's so beautiful. And if you can freeze it in that one moment, it's the most unbelievable aspect of that sport. They're superheroes. Yeah. They have the great outfits, the colors, they have their instruments, their weapons or what have you. They can jump higher than you. They can run faster than you. They're all sizes. They just need a cape. They have cape. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I think they've had capes before. Yeah. Yeah. But I uh, would totally roll out with a cape and take it off, put one, it in the basket whenever I was running the hundred. <laughs> why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, I mean. I get you track all day long. I yeah. love track. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. There's, there's so much, you don't you could do whatever you want there. It's, you don't have, there's so much variety. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's gorgeous. I could do it all the time. Were you, how was, because you were there during COVID for Tokyo, no fans, like we talked about earlier before we started the podcast. Was that a little weird for you? Having your first Olympics so stripped down? It was surreal with no fans there. Again, you know, just knowing the feeling and the vibe and the energy of the crowd and not even just the sounds, but the energy. There's something you, you can't explain it. It's electricity. And it wasn't there. And, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking about the athletes. Like, you know, these are their first time or this is their Olympics. And they don't, they don't have their families there. They don't have the the crowd of just where, where it, in, it embraces you and carries you around the track and there were victory laps and everything. It was, it was kind of like, I was kind of bummed out for that, for them, for that. Yeah. Cause you know how afterwards sometimes they'll win a, an event and they'll run around, do a lap with their, with their flag, whether it's how about great the, Britain or Ethiopia or wherever. How about they, their parents weren't allowed there. Their coaches weren't allowed. Like a lot of their coaches, their friends, their family, nobody they knew. The only people who were there were photographers. Right. And some media. 
So there was nobody they could like connect with and celebrate. Yeah. And even then, to look at you, you got a mask on. So like there's no expression. Yeah. You could be smiling for them. They don't see it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, when I could, I had conversations with the athletes. Hey, good for you. How are you? And you could just see that, you know, we connect and we talk and then the eyes lit up and yay. All right. So it was cool. And, and, you know, I've had them tell me like, Jeff, you're the only person that like we knew. It's like so excited to share it with somebody because we don't know anybody. Right. It's, it's, like a, it's like human emotion. You want to share the emotion. Look for anybody you know. Right. Yeah, because even then they probably didn't know all the officials. No, nobody. Everybody was stripped down. Yeah, it was very, very surreal. Nobody. Did you feel that was that the first Olympics you went to without your dad? Yes. How was that? Um, I, you know, I wish he was there. I wish everybody was there. I, I was. It was. A, it was a job. It was a, it was a totally different animal for me. Right. I was First in quarantine. Yeah. yeah, I was in quarantine. I was in the hotel room. I could only go on the shuttle bus. I couldn't go out. I, it was two and five. It was a job. Right. A little different. Hundred percent. Did you feel like you got what you wanted with the restrictions placed upon you? Uh, photo wise. Yeah. No, I'm never. I always want more. I always, I always think oh, I should have been on this. I want, I want to do this. I there's always more I want to do. Right. What was your day to day? So let's say you. Day six, right? You're kind of now in a rhythm. You get it. What was your day to day? Um, times you get up. What times you end? Woke up around six. I think I, I forget what time the morning sessions were. Six. You're sleeping in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I go to if I go to sleep at three. Yeah. <laughs> three hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, get up at six. Um, I think I'd finish kind of editing, get some photos out, make sure all my camera gear, my my batteries were charged from the night before. Um, put my cards in there, make sure they're formatted, load all my gear up, make sure, you know, the clothes I want to bring. Um, Check the weather, make sure, right? No monsoons up. coming. Yeah, exactly. If I need rain gear or what have you. But I had my rain gear. It was in my locker at the uh, stadium. We crashed okay. lockers. And if I, yeah, if I have to wear my rain shoes. Um, if I had time, get the hotel breakfast of rubber eggs and white toast. Uh, um, so again, I, you know, that's I'd, great. That sounds like it held you. Yeah. So again, I was glad that I brought my oatmeal or my little like powdered vegetable, green powder that I put in like some water in the morning. And I, you know, or drink, drink some fruit juice that I bought at one in the morning when I came home from the, at the, at the liquor store the night before. And people don't understand, like you're, like an athlete in that regard for those 17 days, you got to get some decent food in you. And if you don't, it affects you the rest of the day. So yeah. you're eating with bad food. That's no good. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm taking, putting bars. I don't know what I'm going to get food. You know, if there's an apple or banana or some kind of shop on the way, there's some rice crackers or something, I'm going to, you eat them. Right. You know, take I, it. I always lose weight when you go. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you lose? 10 pounds. Yeah. So, you know, then it comes back, whatever, but, right. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah. So I get up and, but it's a hard 10 to lose. It's not like you're like going and going, boy, I can't wait to drop some weight. You're no, no, losing no, no. it because you're you just, you're burning out so much and not taking enough in. You don't have time to do anything else. Right. You don't have time to eat or think or go look, or you don't have an hour to go look for food. Right. Cause maybe that hour you might want to sleep cause you only had three hours. So it's many, very physical. Yeah. So many guys, people don't understand, so many guys get sick at the Olympics. Golden got ridiculously sick in Beijing. Like, it just happens. Like, you're just grinding yeah. through it. Everybody's like, I can't wait to go to the Olympics. Man, it ain't fun. It's fun, but it's work. 
it is it is a super challenge and very difficult in every aspect. But for me, when you get when you're doing it, the, my adrenaline is just. I'm so fired up. Right. So you get your age, you get your yeah. breakfast, you get going. So, so I get going. So then I, then I have to go get a shuttle. I have to get a bus because you have you can only take uh, the Tokyo sanctioned uh, Olympic buses because sure. we're in all in quarantine. We can't mix. We can't go any restaurants. We <laughs> no can't mingling. go anywhere. Yeah, we can't go anywhere. You're not even allowed to go to. Um, well, I think you, you were, we were allowed to go to like the food mart, little like Seven Eleven style, but you were only allowed to go out for five minutes or something like that. Jesus. Um, so you can <laughs> only go. You know, we had to have tracers on our phones where the government knew where you were and the proximity and this and that. And like, let's say if we were hanging out there and you got COVID and they knew that we were close together, I'd be in quarantine for a couple of days. Um, but okay, that's another story. Right. So then I, I then I get all my so gear. So you don't take your phone with you wherever you go. Yeah, you have to. And that's beyond. <laughs> so then I get all my gear and my, I got my backpack. I got my, I got all my clothes I'm wearing. I got my, my, uh, my, my wheelie bag full of my 40 pounds of gear and I, I'm, I'm walk I have to walk 10 minutes to where the bus pickup is wait for the bus get on the bus and now either it's a hour ride or half an hour ride or could be you might have to shuttle to another bus which is another half an hour so that could be two hours to get to where you want to go wow they kept you really close to the stadium huh but it, it didn't matter because they wanted you to go to the transport mall before you got twenty, I don't, it doesn't matter if your stadium was fifteen minutes away. If, if you could, if your if your um, stadium, your event was fifteen minutes from your hotel, you still had to go an hour and a half to the transfer mall to catch another bus to go back. So your ticket would take you two and a half hours to go, where it would only take fifteen minutes. After a while, couldn't I couldn't walk it, huh? Yes, no, you're not allowed. Yeah, exactly. So after a while, I, I they had these taxi vouchers, and I was taking taxis, not going all the way to the. But you learn these things by doing it. The first day, you're you're like, what is this? You're on you're five hours on a bus. Maddening. Yeah, and lugging stuff around, and then it starts raining, and there's no shelter. <laughs> Jesus. So, and they're sweating. Now, mind you, they've had years to prepare for this, and an extra year, and still that it's not run efficiently. Yeah. I mean, it's so huge, they're going to miss in a couple spots. But so then anyway, so then I kept the bus. I get to the stadium. And you go in and you check. You wheel up, and you have to. You still have to walk another ten minutes to go through all the protocols. Get to the media room, not and or the uh, or your locker. Sure. You go through. They check you, and oh, I have to. You have to, you have to do COVID test every day. Oh. So, so you have to. I have to spit in a tube every single day. I have to log in onto the onto my uh, telephone onto their website and say I'm feeling. I'm feeling okay. Then I have to drop off my little my COVID test every day before I go to the stadium. Go to the stadium, get ready, get situated, maybe drink some tea or water, a banana, which they have in the media room, and maybe a piece of chocolate. And then you go shoot for five, six hours. Come back. You can download or edit. Luckily um, for track, I would. I was only 15 minutes away, so I took a cab, and I go edit back in my hotel room. I'd order some uh, Uber Eats. I'd edit for an hour and a half, and if I could, I'd sleep for an hour and then go back. And a lot of people didn't have that, that luxury. They sat, they sat in that media room and edited and they slept on the floor. Oh. So, I mean, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. But, uh, but if you were, if I was shooting, like when I shot tennis and swimming and gymnastics and that was far away, I couldn't do that. How did, how much other sports did you want to shoot other than track? I, I want to shoot everything, but it really mattered on what was um, fed into my schedule and how long it took to get there. Right. That's always the issue, right? And, yeah, and also time. Yeah, and also if it was a marquee event like swing finals or gymnastics finals, you had to get a ticket from your 
Yes. You couldn't just go willy nilly. It was, I heard this is new this year. You had to get a ticket from your federation that allowed you to shoot that night. What? Yeah. So every track and field, you had to have a, a ticket to get in there because it was a uh, marquee event. So, so they just give a book of tickets to David Barnett because that guy goes to wherever he wants. Yeah. Well, he, I'm sure he had to go to someone to get sure, the tickets. Right. So like uh, US, uh, the, uh, IOS, uh, U.S. Uh, Olympic Committee, they have sign-up sheets outside their little office, makeshift office in their media center, and you could sign up for what you wanted. Like if you want to go to so-and-so swimming finals that night and that day, you could apply for it. And the next day, maybe you get that ticket, you can go. Because they, they didn't want to leave let a lot of people in there because of COVID. Oh my gosh. So I was lucky enough to get, I got gymnastics and swimming and uh, tennis. How was it being in the stadium, no fans, like, and then worrying about your backgrounds? You know, I, I only took a couple pictures that I focused on showing like how empty it was using the stands as no backgrounds. Uh, I, I mainly shot. Because historically, you want to get it. Yeah. You're at an historical event. Yeah. And a couple of times I showed it. The awesome stadium. The stadium was awesome. It was incredible. Um, Isn't that sad? They built this beautiful stadium and no one's ever going to see it. They did something cool, though, with the seats. They were kind of spotted different colors. So it looked, when it was blurred out, it looked like fans. It right. wasn't just one color. Uh, but most of my photos um, were pretty much uh, wide open aperture. So I blurred out the background. As best as you can, right? Yeah, sure. So which I, which I tend to do mostly. Um in, in my photos. Um, so I really didn't, you know, it didn't mess with me. I was going to say something I forgot. Well, do you plan, did you plan in your mind before you left? Like, I want to get this, 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 or is it happening and folded in front of you? You just captured it. I didn't think it that, that way because I didn't really know where I was going to be or what I was going to be allowed to be. Okay. But once I get there, I know what I want. Okay. And maybe I might want to get this shot, but I can't get there within the next five minutes because I'm at the other side of the stadium and I won't be able to get it. So I have to adjust. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the morning before, the day before, or that night, I'm like, okay, I look at the, the schedule and I say, okay, for this race, I have to be, I have to be here. And then the next race is way over on the other side of the stadium. So I have to run over here. I can stay here. And I have to, at 1245, I have to leave to this section and get to here by this time. You kind of plan it out. They actually. Would, the, the, how did they deal with the stadium in regards to, you just couldn't walk the bowl from one side to the other where there, you have to go out the tunnel, walk around. Some places. There's nobody there. Yeah. They, they, it, it changed. Um, a couple times it changed because then they figured out that the athletes were coming through and they didn't want the media getting within 10 feet of the athletes. So when the athletes walked by, we couldn't go that way. So they made the media go walk around up 50 stairs to walk around. Yeah, we couldn't go here anymore because that's where they, they didn't want certain groups crossing. Right. Don't want to cross contaminate. Yeah. Did you go to the Olympics with clients already in the bag? Like, okay, I'm going to. A, a I'm couple, not many. Okay, so everything else was I turned down post Olympics. I turned down a lot. Okay, be, is that for your freedom? Yes. Yeah. So you're not pegged having to shoot only the triple jump. Yeah. You can shoot whatever you or, want. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Right. Just go. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's that's what you want. And I, I'm again. I say I'm super fortunate. I realize that that I'm able to do that. Yeah. Right. 
No, there's a lot of people, if you're shooting for an agency or, or a newspaper or whatever, you got to shoot certain things. So you were fortunate in that regard. Yeah. If you knew what you knew now going to the same Olympics, you're leaving tomorrow, what would you do different? I know. I never thought of it. I... I don't know. I kind of just really accepted everything how it was and just went with it. I I, I mean, maybe I would have learned how to navigate the transportation system earlier <laughs> and not waste hours and hours on a bus. Um, but you weren't the only one. I'm sure a lot of people lost those hours. Yeah, yeah. Every, I mean, again, it, the photographers are a tight group, and you're all trying to help each other out and give each other advice as the days go because they don't tell you everything. You figure things out through experience. So your buddy goes, hey, I did this last night. Oh, thanks, really? Oh, yeah, do this. Don't, don't do this anymore. Use this way. Don't go here. Do this. So it, that's, it's kind of a cool camaraderie that we all, like, te you know, teach each other, you know, the right. easy ways to do things. Um, changing things up, going there. Maybe, again, I don't like lugging around huge lenses, but a bigger lens would have been an easier for me to get more shots. Like a 500, so it's yeah. not so heavy? Yeah, but yeah. Um, I think people forget about the 500. Like they go four or six or the two to four with the telly, but a five is fantastic. It's yeah. light. It's not that yeah. uh, massive. Not that light. Well, but <laughs> with, with your other bodies and other lenses? But it's not a six. No, no, Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, and I think they don't. They have that five hundred f five six. I think so. Yeah, so that's nice. I like two eight. I know, <laughs> I know. If they made a six hundred two eight, I'd buy it. Oof. Yeah, it's fifty grand. Yeah, what the hell? It's only money. <laughs> Just borrow it. Yeah. yeah. I tried using before the um, those big zoom uh, zoom the big the what the the two to five hundred. Yeah, those yeah. zooms, and I'm not crazy about I don't like the them. clarity and this and that. That's why I always go back to my two eight primes. Yeah. Um, again, but I did use this. I did use my three hundred with my teleconverter a lot, so it's like a five hundred. Okay. And um, I got some decent stuff. That's what you want. But yeah, I mean, I wish that I, I go back to what I told Nikon. I said I want lighter lenses. <laughs> <laughs> this gets a little heavy. Yeah, it does. Where do you get your inspo from? Oh, as far as I can remember, I've always, I'd always, I go before the internet, you go to newsstands and I buy American photography right. and books and photo magazines and Sports Illustrated and this and that. And I would always appreciate, and, and, and you know, LA Times, a newspaper, wherever I saw a sports photography or other photographs, and I always look at the photographer's names. And um, that's what I would do and I still do it. I, I, I acknowledge, I recognize good, good stuff that my, my eyes pulled toward, you know, and, and again, you know, there's a lot of, um, other photographers I look up to and I like, I like how they compose, I like their photographs and it's exciting for me to see them. I never met them before and I see them in the field and I, you know, talk to them and introduce myself and we talk about camera gear or something like that. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Where do you get it now? Are you cruising the internet? Do you go on oh. to, uh, Instagram? Obviously, I mean, you got a beautiful wall of books here, but there's so few bookstores yeah. anymore. Yeah. Where do you now try to like... Internet. Take a peek at stuff. Websites and Instagram. Yeah. 
Um, that seems to be everybody's kind of go-to. I don't even know. I don't even know where. I mean, I, there might be a new one newsstand left that I know nearby. Right, but even then, it doesn't have nearly the stuff yeah. you want. Yeah, it's always it's always on my phone. It's it's in your hand. It's in your pocket. It's on your phone or on your desk. You know. Right. But I, I always look for fun new stuff, photo sites and galleries. And if I see somebody, I look up that photographer and I look at their work. What's the best photo you shot in Tokyo? I have a favorite photo. And sometimes when I when people ask me, what's my favorite photo? My, my best photo. My best photos are the ones that mean something to me. Right. Yes. And so often that's true. That's maybe the story behind it, per se. There's a photograph I haven't published it yet. It is. It was during the semifinals of the women's semifinal 400, and it was Allison Felix. Okay. And I, you know, I've known her for so many years. And first of all, she didn't know if she was going to make the team. First of all, in the, in the U.S. trials, so she made the team. So you go in the first round of the Olympics. She's going to make the first round. Okay, for the semifinals to get into the final of the Olympics, big question. You had to run a really fast time. Right, you got to make a point. Yeah. You got to be the top eight in the world. And, you know, we, we know Alison Felix's story. She's the, one of the greatest ever to do the sport. She's in her early 30s. She had a kid. There are all these 20 year olds, rock stars out there who are like right there. So I think it was a huge challenge for her. For her. I knew it. The track world knows it. I'm sure she, she knew it. I said, you know what? This is the moment. The day before I was in the tunnel and I, I saw where the athletes come onto the field and I was down and I, I, I probably wasn't supposed to be there because it was too close to the athletes and it was in the way, but I kind of finagled my way in there and stayed back with my 24 to 70. And luckily the guy who was in charge of, of letting the athletes come out there with those little talking to the TV cameras, mm-hmm. he, he saw me and he goes, Hey, Jeff Cohen, oh my God, I follow you. I love your work. You're the best. We love you. Oh my God, you're the coolest. So the guy who was in charge of that area knew me. And recognized you with recognized me. half your face well, had, covered. Well, I had my, oh, your credential, yeah, my right. credential. You didn't have it on backwards this time? No. No, this no, I was this is real. Yeah, I didn't have to hide. So that helped. So he knew me, so he allowed me to be there. He probably sh- I probably wasn't allowed to be there. So I said, okay, Allison's gonna come out. This is semifinal. I went down through the tunnel, through areas where maybe I wasn't supposed to be. I went down to the little indoors, and I waited for her to come out the tunnel. To come out the tunnel, I got her coming out, stretching, warming up, right before she walked out onto the onto the Olympic uh, track. And I shot some photographs of her in the tunnel, warming up before she stepped on the track. And for me, that was kind of like a pinnacle moment, because I think for her and for myself, like we knew this is this could be it. This right. could be her final performance ever. And this is this is her by herself preparing to step out there for an, uh, you know, a crazy challenge. So that's, that's my most, uh, memorable like moment and photograph. And, uh, I'll put it out there soon. What was the one you wish you had over? Cause it just didn't either happen. You missed it. It just didn't click. Wrong spot, wrong lens, hmm. no card. <laughs> Seeing demo is always a nightmare on the back here. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are a lot of moments where I wish I could have gotten there faster or I moved away the wrong time or I couldn't get through the, uh, or somebody else was there before me or I couldn't get past the usher. Um, I had a moment, what was it? Where my, my focus was wrong. 
I think a 400 hurdle final or something like that. And I like missed a, fo a focus, but then I got a couple, I missed the one shot that I wanted, but then a couple steps after I got it. Um, I mean, there's always something. Right. I, I always want to do better. I was like, oh, I should have been here. I'm always learning. Mm -hmm. So the next time, hopefully I can do that. Right. But I don't remember a specific moment. There's, I mean, uh, there's some, with the Olympics, there's always a hundred guys here. I'm like, okay, they, they've been, they've been waiting there for hours. Like that's the spot. I, I can't get there. So I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to gamble and maybe go 50 meters off the turn. And hopefully there's going to be a celebration there or something. Right. So you kind of like, you adjust, it's like a dance. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't, one moment, I don't know. This happens <laughs> all the time and I forget about it. I go to the next one. It does. I can't, I can't think about it and dwell on it. Right. Got to have short-term memory. <laughs> Just keep moving on to the next one. Yeah. What advice do you give to young photographers learning track? Because as we were talking earlier, like track's tough. It's a dangerous mm -hmm. sport. There's a lot of moving parts. You got metal being thrown. You got big people running around, jumping, officials, TV. So what advice would you give to people learning and understanding how to photograph track? Uh, safety is number one. Like, like you said, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of people running all over the place, things being thrown. Um, watch your surroundings. Um, be respectful of everybody. You don't have to get every single shot. You don't, it's okay to miss a shot. Um, my, main, my main thing is, is to be kind to people, listen to your officials, have relationships with the people in charge. And that'll take you your, your, your furthest in the sport, I think, in the, in the profession, being a good person and respectful. But yeah, but just be careful. Always look over your back and you don't always have to get the shot. You can just stay there and let it go by. It's not worth the risk of impeding an athlete or causing them to crash or run into you or blocking somebody else out or what have you. But yeah, just and watch, watch your elders, watch the people around and learn from afar. Yeah. Being aware is, is a track. Boy, it's, yeah. it's important. Don't run out onto the freeway. Yeah. It's, it's a freeway out there. I have had close calls, not that many, but you learn. I'm always looking left and right. I don't care if there's no race going. I'm looking left and right before I step in the track. Right. You don't know if someone's warming up or what have you. You have to. You can't just look one way. and It's like stepping in the into the middle of the street. Right. Um. Yeah, there's, but just go slow. What's next for you? What's next for me? Well, on track, I'm pretty open right now. Um, I um, have some friends and some other people asking me to do other sports. I'm open to it. Like I just shot a, a college football game in, in Las Vegas about a month ago. Um, but for next for track. How was that? How was that? Yeah, it was it was fun. It was challenging. I don't, shoot, I don't, shoot, I don't shoot much football, but I love it. Right. Again, I love the challenge. I saw some Iowa there. state on yeah. your website. Yeah. 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 That was it. And uh, it was super What the fun. hell took you out to Iowa state? I have a friend, uh, <laughs> she's from Iowa state. It was in, it was in Vegas. Oh, that was, was that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, it was super, uh, oh, but, but oh, those pictures, that was just, those were from years ago out there. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just, it was, it was challenging and super fun. I, you know, he needed some help. And so it was, it was great. There's worse but, things to so, do. So for next, like next year, we have the world championships in, or in Oregon. Okay. I got us trials coming up. I would love to do the European circuit, which is so much fun. 
It's different than American track circuit. Oh yeah. All this great, I mean, Milan and Paris and, and, uh, and there's London and like so many Brussels. Um, but I couldn't do it last year because of COVID and I didn't know if I was going to be quarantined or what, you know, American coming over. So I just said, forget it. Right. It but pain I, the butt. I would love to go this year. I would love to do near European championships, do the whole circuit. It all depends on the schedules for the, um, the world championships and U S trials though. How's the new stadium in Portland? In Eugene. Um, it is beautiful to look at. It is kind of difficult to shoot. <laughs> oh, now why is that? The, the arc, the, when they built it, they, they built it for aesthetically pleasing. I believe you can ask any photographer. They didn't build any TV platforms. They did. There's no area for finish line heads head ons. It's all seats right there. The, there's really? no, the walkway around the track. There's, it's not that big. Um, so it's kind of really difficult and for photographers to get around and there's no like photo places. They're going to have to eliminate a bunch of seats and put platforms for the world championships for the head on. Oh, and it's amazing. And it's kind of like interesting because Nike's so huge there and they kind of, their money kind of probably helped to build a lot. And oh, yeah. with, with, without photographs or TV, you're not going to sell any product. There's not one TV platform. How did they screw that up? It looks nice. It does. It does look, looks pretty. Yeah. But sometimes pretty's not functional. So, um, yeah. Right? It's, it's like good. having a Ferrari. You can't get the family in it. It's not super functional for uh, a mass. And it, so it's going to be, it's, there's a big question on how they're gonna, going to handle hundreds of international press there. Whew. So we'll see. Wow. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a challenge. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on, life. That's it. Well, that's a great motto to have, right? Just don't be, don't pout. Just keep going. Forge forward. Well, I was, I, you know, I tell people life, it's like a dance. Everything in life is like a dance. Some, you know, you're at, you're at a party or some, some girl wants to play on the dance floor and they go, oh, we're dancing Foxtrot. Well, I don't know how to do that, but I'll give it a shot. Let's go. Bring it on. Right. You may, look, you may look like a fool, but at least you're out there doing it and maybe you'll learn. Yeah. So And you, she'll like you for it. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. <laughs> you, just, you just adjust the best you can and you're out there. Yeah. So it's like a dance. Bring it on. Absolutely. What else you got? Let's go. Jeff, I can't thank you for your time today, dropping some knowledge and listening to your story and, thank you. you know, figuring out how COVID worked in Tokyo. That's bonkers. Yeah. Nice Jesus. You. you made it through a monsoon and <laughs> quarantine and bad food and... 10 pound weight loss all worth it all worth it we got to do this again absolutely let's do it in europe at, at, at some track meet that'd be cool or just you know come down to irvine we'll do uh, uh, steve scott's uh, irvine yeah and we'll shoot that that'd be cool that'd be fun yeah thanks we'll man. do it i appreciate it man thank that you so really much fun. for your time really fun thank you thank you for listening to my conversation with jeff cohen please click the like button if you enjoyed the episode always subscribe and you can find all of our past shows on the website at justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.